Welcome to Gamers Loft Episode 2. Hey guys, my name is Noah Johnson. I'm back again for number two of the Gamers Loft Podcast. Um, guys, uh, I've got a couple emails uh, and some messages on Twitter about the first episode of Gamers Loft. Uh, obviously, this will be a slow climb. Uh, I'm not going to have 100,000 listeners on day one, and I didn't expect that. Uh, I enjoy games. I enjoy talking about video games, and this is my outlet to do that. So I'm not going to get discouraged, uh, but I did enjoy speaking with the uh, few of you that did get back with me. Uh, and if you would like to get in touch with me, the email address is gamersloft, G-A-M-E-R-Z, loft, at gmail.com. And then the Twitter handle is at GamersLoft, spelled the same way, G-A-M-E-R-Z-L-O-F-T. So guys, now that I have introduced myself and I've done gone through the intro, I just want to go ahead and get into this um, this episode here, episode two. If you don't know what GamersLoft is, it is a gamer podcast about video games, all things video games. So if you're interested in video games, the GamersLoft podcast is good for you. So uh, the first segment of the podcast, uh, just like it was last week and just like it will be from here on out, will be what am I playing this week. And all that is is what kind of games that I have I been playing, which games have I been putting in my systems and playing. So let's go ahead and go into that segment. All right, guys, what have I been playing this week? Let's get into it. Uh, right off the bat, I'm going to start out. I know I mentioned it last week, but what a game it is. Kill Zone 3. Uh, I'm probably, I'd say, seven to eight hours in the game. Uh, wow, uh, is all I can say. Um, as I said last week, Kill Zone 2 didn't uh, suit my fancy. Uh, I didn't like it that much. Uh, played halfway through the game and put it down. Uh, I'm a collector of video games, so I, I, I was almost tempted to sell that game. It was that bad. Uh, in my opinion, again, these are all my opinions, but Killzone 3, uh, they polished it up, and the single player is just so much fun. Uh, there is a weapon in the game you get probably halfway through, and if any of uh, my listeners know what the, the name of the weapon is, email me um, and let me know. But it's like this green, massive gun that shoots out these green beams, and it's an insanely powerful, and you just walk around feeling like you're just so just the baddest person on the planet. So it is extremely cool. Uh, Killzone 3, uh, there's just so much to say uh, about that game, and it's just such a great game that I don't even know where to start. Uh, the multiplayer I have gotten into a little bit, um, but you know I haven't necessarily played it as much as I have the single player. I, I wanted to knock out the, uh, the single player first and foremost in order to, uh, to go ahead, and normally what I like to do in video games is go ahead and knock off the uh, the single player, this is what I did with Black Ops, I stayed up pretty much all night, and, and what I did is I just beat the campaign, that way I can go directly into um, the multiplayer. So anyways, Killzone 3, uh, just a great game uh, altogether, I, I love it, uh, it's just such a fun game, uh, it's a amazing looking game, the graphics uh, on Killzone 3, uh, god the environments are so gorgeous, uh, the enemies are animated, uh, so realistic. That you're you're going through this this like high action impact scene and you'll end up dying because I'm sitting there looking at the enemies and I'm like, goodness gracious, these these look awesome. Uh, and there's just so much going on at times, just so fun. The audio is great, the soundtrack is great. Um, it's just so much fun. 
Um, now, there is one downside to it. The single player is great despite the story. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that the story to me, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, I would definitely say the story to me is about a 6.5. And, and I know that's, that's fairly high still, but man, to be such a great-looking game and so, so the gameplay to be so fun, uh, the story to me has not, I don't know, it just hasn't, I don't know. I don't even know what to say on it. The story. I, I don't want to give any spoilers, so I'm I'm not gonna go into the uh, the logistics of the story right now. Maybe in a, a month or so, I'll go into the story and what I did and did not like. But uh, once you play it, you will uh, you will understand what I mean. So uh, the next thing I want to move into on Killzone Three uh, is the multiplayer. Uh, it is worth keeping the game. Uh, there's three mo- there's three modes you can play in mul- multiplayer. Uh, there's obviously the standard team deathmatch. Uh, and that's pretty much like if you've played any FPS, uh, first-person shooter, you'll know exactly what I mean. You get on there, you get grouped up uh, in a team. Uh, they split you into fives or sixes or threes or fours, however many they can get into a game, uh, and they just you pretty much go out to kill the other person, and there's different maps that are uh, in the Kills on 3 universe that you utilize there. So uh, that's the first mode is team deathmatch. And then there's more of an objective-driven option. Um, they call it operations mode. Uh, it, it's it's kind of more along the lines of the capture the flag deal, but not capture the flag. It gives you objectives that you and your team or either you individually have to go forth and do. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a change of pace there from Team Deathmatch. But right now I have been strictly Team Deathmatch just because I love it, and it's just so much fun to, uh, to get on there with people you do not know uh, and see what kind of skill levels are out there. Uh, and just like any other game, there are people on, on this game that get online that are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the one game that I got into, my team apparently sucked. I don't know what in the world happened, but I got paired up with some people who were just as terrible as I was uh, when I first started. Uh, and, and it just seemed like every time I spawned, it just I had a bullet in my face. Uh, so it, it was definitely not fun there. But the multiplayer mode, just so much fun. Um, there's some la- there's some laggy moments at times uh, during larger matches, um, but it's definitely one of the better multiplayer games available for PS3 owners. Um, and for those of you who do not know, Killzone 3 is um, primarily for the PlayStation 3. There is no Xbox uh, version. It's just a exclusive for the PS3, which the Killzone series have been uh, since the beginning. So uh, the let me see if I can remember. It's published by Sony, and it's developed by Guerrilla Games. Uh, and they, the genre that they title it is an FPS, so it, it definitely fits that, the first-person shooter genre. Uh, it released uh, February 22nd uh, in both the U.S. and Japan, uh, and it is rated mature. You may be able to find that on eBay and Amazon for uh, maybe slightly less than you can uh, retail at GameStop, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, any of the retail uh, places, but... Um, it's worth it. It's not a rent. It's definitely a buy. Uh, go through the single-player mode. It's I got enthralled in the single-player mode, and it's so much fun uh, to actually see the world now that it's Killzone 3. It's just so much better than Killzone 2, in my opinion. Um, and like I said, it is very, very much so one of the best how can I say the best online experiences on the PS3? Uh, Killzone 3 definitely fits that that mod there. Um, outside the single player multiplayer, there's also an option to uh, to do a campaign via local co-op play. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, I'm just like, okay, well if you're going to put in co-op, all these newer games are offering online co-op, which is amazing. 
Uh, it makes me think of uh, Guy Borderlands, which was phenomenal. I love going through that game with a friend and just having them on the uh, in the headset in my ear saying, you know, go here, go left, go right. There's a monster here. Uh, online co-op to me is is where the future is headed, um, and I'm so excited for that because it's just so much fun to do. Um, so there is a local co-op play which you can get with a buddy, and they have to be in the house with you or on the same system, obviously. So, anyways, that would be uh, the other option there, and then there's also. Uh, an option to play multiplayer with, with the bots or the AI or whatever. Um, and then also you can use PlayStation Move, which is uh, implemented. I have not tried it. I'm not a big Move fan. Uh, they're just trying to copy the Wii. Uh, and I just, it's, to me, it's just, I've, I've been there, done that. I, I don't I don't need that, to be completely honest with you. Uh, and then it does support 3D. So if you're one of those people who have enough money to go uh, splurge and spend it on a 3D TV, which I am definitely not, maybe in the future, but not at the moment, uh, it does support 3D. I, I've had seen some reviews uh, online, and they're saying that it works well uh, if you have the hardware to support it. So uh, 3D and Move support as well. So to finish off Killzone 3, uh, it has a fun multiplayer. Uh, it is enjoyable because it's not just a shooter. It's a great experience. Uh, you know, the developer, they've crafted scenes after scenes of gorgeous uh, environments that make you feel like you're part of it. Uh, you're part of a brutal human war. Uh, that is just awesome. Um, you combine this with the awesome pacing of the game. Uh, you know, leave the story aside. The pacing is great. Um, and the characters sometimes can be boring uh, with the uninspired story that is involved. But it overall, Killzone 3 is definitely an 8 or 8.5 uh, on a scale from 1 to 10. Um, and the graphics... Guys, you, you need to rent this game even if you just want to see the graphics. Wonderful game. So, Killzone 3, been playing that. As well as uh, finishing up the campaign in Little Big Planet 2. Um, I don't know how many of you are Little Big Planet 2 fans, or uh, to be honest with you, any of you that are fans of the genre, the create genre where you get to create levels. Uh, I, my, myself, I'm not too much of an artistic person. I did get on and mess with Little Big Planet 1 as well as 2 uh, design. Elements where you can go in there and design your own level. Uh, Little Big Planet 2 has taken that to a new stratosphere. It is absolutely amazing the games that are being pumped out uh, by this the, the engine. I guess you could say that Little Big Planet 2 offers. But I myself am one of the very few who enjoyed Little Big Planet uh, One, the first installment of Little Big Planet story. Uh, man, I enjoyed it so much. So uh, when I got Little Big Planet 2 a month ago with with real life and the job and everything and so many games to juggle, Little Big Planet 2 kind of sat in the back burner a little bit. So finally, uh, the past weekend, I got a hold of Little Big Planet 2 and absolutely just crushed the story. Uh, just played about like six hours one night, just went into the, the wee hours of the morning, 3, 4 a.m., uh, and I got got it done. And man, how much fun is it? It is so much fun. Uh, it packs 30-story levels uh, that tell a tale of, they call this thing the Negativitron. Uh, it's a horrible beast that's invaded this world called Craft World. Uh, and it's gobbling up all the cities and the people who inhabit the cities. Uh, and you yourself are Sackboy, again. And you get to travel to all these different spots in the globe to run, jump, shoot, grab, fly your way. And hopefully, at the end of the day, save the day. Um, the story is, uh, I guess the word for it would be cute. The story is, uh, it's borderline childish. But man, the levels, the level design is what makes it. Uh, the story's fun. I kept up with the story. Uh, but goodness, it's just so much fun to get enthralled in these levels and try to figure out ways to get all the, the little odd and ends to get the stickers, to get the little, you know, to get the co-op, you know, start playing levels with other people online and try to get through these different co-op levels. It, it's so much fun. And 
the, the levels are so engaging and they're exciting and the gameplay itself is such a blast. And you probably heard me beat on my desk there because that's just – I want to show some emphasis there. Um, the majority of this plays out uh, in, in the familiar 2D platforming style similar to a Mario game. Uh, he starts on one end of the level and runs to the other side while jumping over obstacles using you know grab tactics, jump tactics, uh, as well as riding on different vehicles. Um, the developer of this game, Media Molecule, has outdone itself on, on the story levels, in my opinion. Uh, they all feel unique. Uh, each, each one progresses into a new level, and it, it makes sense with the story. It feels unique. The platforming is challenging. Uh, and, and even towards the end, it gets intense. Uh, in one minute, I was fighting a possessed cupcake, you know, and the next I was fighting deadly fireflies who were shooting flame balls at me. Uh, it, it was it was wonderful. Uh, hopefully, you can hear the enthusiasm in my voice that I believe this is such a phenomenal game. Um, as great as the levels were with the, the colorful choices of the palettes they used uh, and the awesome music and audio, this game is so much fun. Uh, but the thing is, what I really enjoyed had nothing to do with the platform, uh, the platforming. Uh, beyond the traditional swinging and jumping on the story levels, there is a lot going on. Uh, Little Big Planet 2 have these head-to-head -head challenges where you can try to nail button combinations faster than your opponents, races where you can pilot a caterpillar up a tree, uh, single player uh, is, is spiced up too, uh, where you can go along with other people and kind of go co-op in a level, and you have to, to, to it's even to get to certain parts of a level, you have to have more than just one person on the level. Uh, so you'll get on this flying bumblebee, but you'll have to have two players, one navigating the bee and another person on the back of the bee to kind of level out your weight. Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, the story's great. The, the co-op aspect is great. Um, the Media Molecule, again, the developer, the developer of this game, has whipped up challenges that I'm going to remember for a long, long time. Uh, and not only this, as I was saying at the beginning of this segment, uh, the Little Big Planet segment, I'm not too much of the artsy person, so I'm not too great at going in there and creating my own level. But all of the design elements of the story levels just absolutely forced me to go into the, uh, the design level or aspect of this game and get in there and just dig and just find what I can do. And man, have they made it simple. It is... Ten times more simpler than, than it was in Little Big Planet 1. And it's just fun to do. You get in there, look, my level probably looked like garbage compared to the majority of the levels that are now on the Little Big Planet servers. But my goodness, it was so much fun to do. Um, and, and it was just, it was wonderful. Um, it, it kept me up late at night one night. I was sitting there and I, I could not get uh, one of the monsters that I had created to, to go in the direction that I wanted it to. So I got online and I Googled it and I was, I was trying to figure it out. And finally, some guy on a forum posted on there how I could do it. And I finally figured it out and I went back and played my level. And I was, I was too embarrassed to even publish it. But, man, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, let's see. If there's anything negative to say about it, um, I'm trying to think of what the negative things could be to say about it. Uh, the graphics, phenomenal. They're cartoony but great. Great graphics. Uh, wonderfully put together. Uh, as of, I believe, a couple weeks ago, there was 3.5 million user-created levels from the original Little Big Planet game that you can access through this Little Big Planet 2 game. Uh, so there's tons of levels to get in there, to jump into, uh, and just you know, kind of figure it out. The presentation is wonderfully and easy to get around. The interface couldn't be simpler to get on. You're in your little pod, uh, and uh, it works perfectly with the, uh, the PlayStation controller. And again, this is a PS3 uh, exclusive uh, graphics 
nothing much to say about those except they're phenomenal. Uh, they're just great to look at. The soundtrack is packed with catchy beats. Uh, the ability to add your own voice is a great addition to this game as well. So in your levels, not only can you design the uh, the platforming, the visual style of it, but you can also add your own voice to narrate your levels. So much fun. Uh, the gameplay, the, this platform is as solid as I have ever seen. Uh, the jumping uh, beef that people had with the last game about not being able to time and judge where your character is going to end at the end of a jump, totally erase that. Uh, and, and as for replayability, I can't think of a game that's out there right now that has more replayability than, than Little Big Planet 2. Uh, because you could maybe take a break from it for a week, get back on there, and none of the same levels that were at the top of the charts last week will be the, the same ones that are there this week. People are pumping out content for this game at an unbelievable rate. Uh, so Little Big Planet 2, not going to go on anymore about this game, but man, how fun this game is to play. The next game that I want to talk about, guys, is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call this game obscure, uh, but it's a game that uh, hopefully a lot of you have played. But again, it's a uh, PSN game uh, off the PlayStation Network, or it was. I'm trying to see here on the internet. I believe it is exclusively uh, on the PlayStation Network. There may be disc uh, copies of this game, but do not quote me on that. Uh, this game is developed by Q Games, published by Sony. Uh, it's a shooter. It's called Pixel Junk Shooter 2. Uh, I played the first one. Loved it. Absolutely love the first game. Uh, it's just so much fun. You're, you're in this little bit of ship, and it's, it's somewhat like Asteroids. The way that your your character is shaped and it looks, it's a little bitty. It's like a jet plane, but you look like a fly, like a bug. And you go through these levels, and and you go and you try to manipulate all these different substances like water and lava in order to navigate yourself through the levels. And Pixel Junk Two just completely piggybacks that gameplay mechanic and it goes into the next level but this time they're including more elements uh and, and i'm not gonna it's really not a spoiler so i'm gonna continue i'm gonna go ahead and just say it at the end of the last game you're at, when you beat the game you're swallowed by this ginormous monster uh and, and it says to be continued so obviously pixel junk shooter 2 is going to continue where the, the first one left off and you're inside this humongous monster uh and, and now you have like Stomach acid is one of the substances, and you're navigating through this monster, and you're trying to, to escape, and you're manip manipulating these substances in order to get out. Uh, and just, I guess, the, where this game shines um, is just the gameplay mechanic. There's so many games out there that are copycats, uh, per se. Uh, so many games that want to be Call of Duty. So many games that want to just be like Gears. But... I love new and innovative ways to play games, and Pixel Junk Shooter 2 is, I cannot think of anything better to say about it, except that it's just in innovative. It's an innovative way to play games. Uh, it, it places you in control of a tiny vessel, like I said, uh, and, and it says you, you've been eaten by the alien life form. So I, I guess you can consider it an, an alien. An alien. Uh, you have to battle your way through the guts of this alien through a bunch of other for the bunch of stages, rescuing scientists and collecting gems in order to progress. Um, so along the way, you get to blast people, your enemies. Uh, you get to go for high scores. There's there's leaderboards online, uh, and get to solve some really really neat puzzles. So it has so many different aspects. It's so much so much fun. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily use the word puzzles. I guess it's just a challenging level design. I guess is what you could say. Uh, and and the different elements uh, in this game that have been added are, are the lava, the volatile gas, the ice and water. Uh, and then obviously the stomach acid are some of the new ones. Uh, it, it's just so much fun to go through. 
Uh, it, 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 the thing is, is this game does not just rehash the exact same puzzles all over again. Yeah, there's a lot of them that are in this game, but it's not going back and saying, all right, let's see what we did in Pixel Junk 1. It was pretty successful. We made a lot of, you know, not a lot of money, but we made some decent money on it. Let's go back and let's just, let's just gouge some people and, and, and produce the same content. This game has new and innovative ways to doing things. Um, and it's just so much fun the second time around. Uh, there's still those moments where you just go, wow, what what a awesome gameplay uh, design element. Uh, and then along with the returning uh, interface, there's additions like the light suit that shoots out light and lets you travel in the dark, which is so cool. Uh, and then there's another suit called the hungry suit that eats through parts of the environment. Uh, and it's just so much fun when when you're going through there and you put on that suit and you just see your little guy just go through and he's just eating through all these elements of the level. And it's just like, Gosh, that is so neat, and that's just so well thought out. Um, if you hate your friends and want to blast them out of the sky, uh, you can also try the uh, the Pixel Junk Shooter 2's competitive online multiplayer. It is head-to-head with players facing off to see who can rescue the most scientists in the course of four rounds. Uh, Pixel Junk Shooter 1 had this. Uh, it is, again, along with the single-player aspect of this game, I cannot think of a better way to implement a, a face-off uh, mechanic than the way they did this. Uh, so you're facing off and you try to rescue more scientists than your your counterpart. Uh, and, and there's just so many different things that make this game stand out. Uh, it's amazingly entertaining. Uh, and if it gets a hold of you in the com- competitive multiplayer side of it, you get to unlock weapons. Uh, you can buy your experience to use in future battles. Uh, and definitely it's not the reason why I would spend the 10 bucks. It is 10 bucks. I haven't mentioned that yet. It's $9.99 on the PSN, the PlayStation Network. Uh, but man, it, it is such a fun game. I definitely recommend it. Definitely an 8 on the scale of 1 to 10. Um, it, it's, it does recycle some stuff from Pixel Junk Shooter 1, but all in all, it's a new game, new type of fun. Uh, and there's enough new mechanics that are tossed in to top the old one off and, and make me buy this new one. Um, the presentation, the menus of this game is, is easily, you know, very easy to, to navigate around. The graphics, like I said, is, is somewhat like a, I don't necessarily know what to say about this game. Uh, the graphics are just well done. Uh, the sound is, is awesome. Gameplay, like I said, is great. Lasting appeal, if you get into the multiplayer face-off mode with your friends... Uh, I could definitely see coming back at a at a later date and playing this game with your friends. So the Pixel Junk Shooter 2, all in all, really fun game. All right, guys, now that I've that's about wraps it up um, for the uh, games that I have been playing this week. Uh, I know this episode is getting out a little late. I'm going to try to do this almost every Wednesday uh, and publish it uh, or let it go live on iTunes um, by Thursdays. Uh, and you may see that I have a uh, blank picture on the iTunes uh, store when you pull up Gamers Loft. So if you're interested in creating me a logo for Gamers Loft, please let me know. Um, I would love to uh, to work with someone. If you would just want to be on the podcast, talk gaming with me, I'd love to have someone come on and sit in as a guest co-host uh, pretty weekly. Uh, so if you're interested in that, just uh, let me know. But let's go ahead with no further ado and get in to the news. Let's go ahead and get
get into the news. Um, I guess this is a bit of news. I don't know if you would consider this news, but I do myself. Uh, one of the new MMOs that have been released, like I've said in the, the past episode, I'm not much of a MMO fan. Uh, it just consumes so much time. I mean, not that I'm against them. It just consumes a lot of time. Uh, but one of the new MMOs, Rift, uh, is becoming a huge success. Uh, it's blown up on the internet. Um, I believe, I don't know how many um, paying subscribers they have for the game now, but last time I heard it was up around 800000 and uh, for an MMO to be profitable, uh, they only need uh, a lot less than that. So uh, hopefully Rift, uh, I'm not saying that it's a WoW killer, uh, because obviously WoW is a, is a behemoth uh, with uh, almost 11, 12 million paying customers, uh, but it's nice to see a, uh, a new kid on the block, uh, Rift, come in the, uh, the game here and, and be such a uh, success uh, right off the bat. It's from... Uh, a developer that's not that well-known, uh, Tryon Worlds. Um, obviously, um, not obviously, but from what I hear, the development team is composed of a bunch of former Blizzard uh, employees, uh, as well as some people from the old uh, EverQuest 1 and 2 uh, developing studios over there. So uh, Rift, we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see how that uh, the fan base grows with Rift, uh, and we'll continue on looking into that. So uh, this week is GDC. There's a lot of things going on at GDC. Uh, a lot of the uh, online websites, such as IGN and 1UP, have been flooding my YouTube inbox with um, video of the 3DS. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that is Nintendo's new handheld that will be releasing here in a few months. Actually, I don't know when the release date is on that. I should check on that and then let you guys know. But um, the 3DS is the uh, 3D handheld platform or hardware, you know, the next installment of the DS uh, it, it, there's obviously there was a DS and the DS you know Lite and there was the DSi and the DS XL. It's just a long, long, long list of DSs. And this one, the new and innovative feature is the 3D. Uh, and there's a 3D slider that allows you to adjust how much 3D you do uh, intake there with your eyes. And there's been positive and negative reviews on the 3DS. Uh, some people say it's uh, you look at it long enough, you hurt your eyes. Uh, and then others say that's not the case at all. So 3DS, I'm not going to talk any more on that. The next thing I want to discuss will be the uh, iPad 2. Uh, you may ask yourself, what does this have to do with gaming? Well, I'm not going to talk about it, but for about one or two minutes, uh, Apple did release the iPad 2. Uh, and the reason why I am mentioning it is because if you are a gamer and you like technology, this is, is, is really neat. Uh, I have an iPad, first generation myself, and there's a lot of games on there that I enjoy, and I'm not just talking about Angry Birds. Uh, one episode, maybe I can go into uh, mobile gaming, and I will uh, kind of do a combination of the iPad uh, plus, you know, against the, the PSP or the or next generation console, whatever the new one is they're coming out. Anyways, iPad 2 came out, uh, lots, of, lots of neat features on it. The, uh, the resolution on the screen is better. Uh, it's a lot thinner. Uh, there's front facing and a back camera, so you can do their FaceTime deal. Uh, and then there's other uh, aspects as well, but I'm not going to go into those. So iPad 2 released. Um, let's see here. What else did I want to talk about? I want to get here. I got my little list that I wanted to talk about. Ah, yes. Bungie. Uh, apparently there's word on the street uh, that there's reports that they've heard that Bungie announced at GDC today that its next project will be a massively multiplayer action game. Uh, does this interest me? Uh, only because it's Bungie. Uh, as I have said uh, previously, I'm not an MMO fan, but Bungie doing an MMO? Intriguing. 
the lead network engineer, David Aldridge, did reveal uh, the fact that they were looking into it, but he denied the other description that had been mentioned in the past. Uh, according to him, the new MMO will not be WoW in space, uh, which is what a lot of news networks were saying. Uh, the report last month claimed that Bungie's next title would be an MMO FPS named Destiny. Uh, that may or may not be accurate. Saying that the new game is a massively multiplayer action game doesn't rule out the possibility that it will be a shooter of some sort. For an MMO, it makes sense that the game will take place in the third person where you can see your character and move around, such as WoW, Rift, and other MMOs, uh, and customize them with their uh, physical out physical outer appearance. Uh, but of course, we know absolutely nothing about the new game, uh, so this may or may not be something that Bungie is doing. So Bungie getting in the MMO space, uh, I don't know how interested I am in that, but again, like I said at the top, only because it's Bungie. GameStop getting smacked with more lawsuits. A new class action lawsuit has been filed against retailer GameStop this month, alleging that the retailer is deceptively selling used games that advertise additional content to its customers, but does not include the content. GameStop. Let me give you my opinion on them. Hate them. Pre-ordered a game there one time, went to the store. It was like 24 hours after the release date. Had to work, went back after work to pick up the game. I believe it was actually a little Big Planet 1, to be completely honest with you. And I get there, and the dude's like, uh, I'm sorry, sir, your, your copy has been sold, and we are sold out. That's, I'm not even going to go any further than that. Anyways, they've been, they've been smacked with some more lawsuits. This is just par for the course for them. Uh, the suit is centered on the issue of selling games used that contain uh, one-time use codes, but these codes obviously have been used one time. Uh, these, clothes are, these codes are included in all new copies of the games and unlock downloadable content at no additional cost. However, if the code is not included or has already been used, the owner will then obviously have a game with no additional content. And if you buy something, that'd be like buying a Happy Meal and they don't include the fries. You buy something, you want the full content that is advertised. Uh, the suit claims that GameStop misleads consumers at the time of their purchase. To believe that the games were, uh, which are originally sold with free downloadable content are also included when consumers purchase the, game, the same games used. GameStop, take out the little thing that's in the box that says the downloadable content. If you're selling the game used, don't advertise that you'll get the content. The one-time code is gone. Ridiculous. In some cases, such as the three customers that filed this new lawsuit, the combined cost of a used game from GameStop and the download content can exceed the cost of a brand new copy. Oh my goodness. Not only are you jipping the customer, you're overcharging for the original game? Anyways, several game publishers such as EA with its online pass have started including these codes to incentivize customers to purchase new games. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, EA, uh, one of the largest providers of sports games out there, uh, they include this thing called an online pass uh, with each of their games now. So that way, uh, if it's purchased or rented or whatever it may be and then sent back to GameStop, you're going to have to buy an additional online pass, which is 10 bucks to even play online. Goodness, it's getting crazy. Uh, by advertising the additional downloadable content as being included with the game and by not informing consumers that they will not receive all the advertised features of the game, GameStop misrepresented and concealed material facts regarding its used game. That's what the lawsuit read. Uh, the situation uh, is about selling a used book to customers without telling them that there are three chapters missing. Oh my goodness, seriously? Seriously. Anyways, GameStop was hit by similar lawsuits in March of last year. 
uh, in regards to the game Dragon Age. Uh, found out that he did not get a downloadable content because it wasn't used game. GameStop, you keep doing this kind of thing, you're going to go out of business faster than you probably will anyways. Next in line, uh, briefly, I'm not a Pokemon fan, but uh, it's a huge news uh, around the country and definitely in Japan. Pokemon uh, Black and White will be released Sunday, March 6th. Nintendo with their weird, weird release dates. Um, What does it include new? Uh, Again, uh, there's some new uh, bundles. You can buy a DSi Black Pokemon bundle as well as the uh, white version, uh, and I believe it's 3D. So that's all I'm going to say about that. On a more exciting note, Epic Games today announced, uh, not today, that was March 4th. They announced on March 4th that the Gears of War 3 multiplayer beta will begin on April 25th. Gears fans, not much longer, about a month and a half, so there we go. Uh, And it will conclude three weeks later on May 15th, so you will have three weeks to get your grimy little hands all over the multiplayer beta. Um, Those who purchase Bulletstorm, the Epic Edition, get into the beta one week earlier, starting on April 18th. I have a feeling there'll be people buying Bulletstorm just for the Gears of War 3 code. Anyways, that's beside the point. Over the course of the beta, three new competitive multiplayer modes and four maps will become available. Epic is also allowing players to unlock content in the beta so that they can be carried over into the full retail game. Wow, that now that when I read that, that to me is news because of this. That's a new way of doing things. Uh, is this incentives to get people in the beta to get them in there trying out your game to get them in there to uh, see how the uh, game will react to having a lot of people in it the servers i don't know we'll see uh complete one match in the beta to unlock the beta tester medal which will carry over to your gamer profile in the final game so there's things like that uh, there's also a uh, a thing called the thrash ball colt complete 50 matches in any game type to unlock the thrash ball colt character so this is a character uh variant in the beta once unlocked complete 10 matches as Thrashball Cole himself during the beta, and the character will carry over to your gamer profile. Again, a new and innovative feature. I love this kind of thing. Gold-plated Retro Lancer. This is a weapon. Show your Ultimate Gears fandom by unlocking the gold-plated Retro Lancer. Complete 90 matches any game type to unlock it for the beta. And then, obviously, like the previous ones I mentioned, if you use it in the beta, it will carry over to your gamer profile in the regular release this one's funny flaming hammer burst complete one match by sunday april 24th and unlock this weapon variant uh hammer burst flaming hammer burst it's wonderful wonderful stuff uh so anyways the uh, story there is gears 3 multiplayer beta april 25th coming soon Mirror's Edge 2, an EA game. Uh, GDC uh, EA says that it hasn't thrown in the towel on Mirror's Edge, the Mirror's Edge franchise. During an interview with IGN, EA Games President Frank Gibu, I believe that's how you say it. Uh, if it's not, I apologize to Frank. Said that the publisher continues to work with developer Dice, which is the developer of the original Mirror's Edge game, on ways to bring Faith back for a second game. He says we're looking at ideas for it. Absolutely. Uh, He said, when asked about a sequel, we just haven't figured out the right way to bring it back yet. It was a franchise that reached an audience, but it didn't reach a large audience. And from a quality standpoint, it was good, not great. I disagree there, Frank. Uh, I love Mirror's Edge. I thought it was, again, new and innovative. Uh, I loved hopping from building to building. Uh, So in my opinion, make another one. Again, I understand what he's saying, though. Um, obviously I didn't see the total sales for Mirror's Edge. I could look up the Wikipedia, but too lazy, but he's right. It did not sell to a large audience. It sold enough, I guess, to make budget, but he's 
the thing that would scare me is if they released another Mirror's Edge 2 to go mainstream and they, they, they went back on their roots and, and tried to get mainstream and, and not go with their roots of innovative and really fun gameplay. Um, despite the critical acclaim, the first title failed to meet EA sales expectations. Uh, Small Team was confirmed to be working on a sequel back in 2009. So that's some news coming out of GDC this week. Something interesting that I read about uh, on the uh, interwebs this week was that uh, it was an article about Heavy Rain. Uh, the title of the article caught my eye, so I read about it and then put it in the uh, the bookmarks to talk about on the show today. Uh, it says uh, it's, it came out of GDC March, the beginning of this week, I believe. Uh, it says 72% of players finished Heavy Rain. Uh, it says when you first see a statistic like 72% of players who started Heavy Rain finished it, it can be difficult to determine what that means. Uh, and I understand that if you've played Heavy Rain, which I have, and I have through completion, uh, you understand that there's different endings, there's different ways to understand if you're actually finished with the game. So anyways, that's what it's kind of talking about. It says, it can be difficult to determine what that means. After all, data needs context. Sure, that number seems high, but in high school, that'd be the equivalent of a C, which is average. Uh, however, if you compare it to the industry average completion rate, which is 20 to 25%, it's downright astounding. Uh, so again, that number stood out to me. Uh, so what it's saying there is that 20 to 25% is what the normal number is of uh, game completion. Uh, so on average, it's saying that 20 to 25% of people complete their games. Uh, I'm a, I guess what the word would be, OCD. Uh, uh, I'm obsessive compulsive about everything. Uh, so when it comes to games, I want to finish it. I want to get the last banana in Donkey Kong. I want to get the last coin, the last, I mean, all the collectibles, I'm a sucker for that stuff, completely OCD about it. So, uh, that's one thing that it mentioned there. So, uh, David Cage, president of Quantic Dream, uh, the, the, the company that was behind, um, Heavy Rain, if you did not know, he revealed this information. Uh, he also added in an extra point that he thought he compared Heavy Rain statistics to another extremely popular title. Mass Effect 2, uh, which was a ton of website, gaming websites, uh, game of the year for 2010. Uh, it says that Heavy Rain uh, garnered an 87 average on Metacritic, while Mass Effect 2 secured an almost perfect score of 96. Um, really, I don't know what he's trying to do there, to be completely honest with you. Is he saying that Mass Effect 2 should not have gotten that high of a score, or that Heavy Rain deserved higher I, I don't know but anyways he is the uh the head of the development team of that game so obviously he thinks the game is is everything um so are you part of the 72 percent that finished the game i'd like to know email me send me a message on twitter did you finish heavy rain and if you did what ending did you get uh i believe it's uh way way far beyond the uh, time for us to be worried about spoilers so uh anyways don't want to talk anymore on that just came out of gdc that 72 percent of players finished heavy rain Something very interesting came down the pipe, uh, the rumor mill, and I'll finish off with this for the news segment for this week. Uh, I thought this was extremely interesting. Uh, I'm a big Battlefield Bad Company fan. Uh, Battlefield Bad Company 2, uh, to me, uh, was just as good as Call of Duty Black Ops. I know, I know. You're, you're throwing your hands up here saying, what are you talking about, Noah? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I enjoyed the heck out of that game. Uh, so when I saw this story, obviously I thought it was huge and interesting all at one time. So let me go ahead and read you the story. It says, uh, E3, uh, at E3, Battlefield Bad Company 3 will be announced. Now, how did this come down the pipe? It was 
it was a leak. It was a game leak. Uh, it says that, uh, as you can tell by the image, it clearly states Battlefield Bad Company 3 as a title from EA to be shown at E3. Uh, now, it says, now using common sense, this is most likely a false rumor. Bad Company 2 came out in early March, so if Bad Company 3 is going to be shown at E3, that is only three and a half months after the game came out to show the new one. Highly unlikely. It would destroy the, the, the DLC plans for Bad Company 2, it's, it says here in the article. And then it says, furthering my belief about the falseness of this is that Barry Tingle, producer from DICE, replied to the rumor saying, it is just that, a rumor. <sighs> is it a rumor? Is it not a rumor? Who knows? In the gaming industry these days, you do not know. But uh, there was a, a list came out with Dead Space 2, Road Rash HD, Bad Company 3, and, and then it had some, some games that obviously did come out with Killzone 3, Resistance 3, Motorstorm 3, Little Big Planet 2, and uh, for some reason, it was, you know, Guitar Hero 6, Call of Duty MMO... It's one of those things where I believe this was uh, a fanboy who got a clever idea uh, to get on there and type up a professional, authentic-looking list that's going to be presented at E3. And it got out there. It made headlines. Gaming websites covered it. So the joker that put it out there, uh, I hate you because uh, I thought it was true, and it got my hopes up. So Battlefield Bad Company 3, I'm sure it will happen, but when, who really the next thing that I want to go ahead and get into is the next segment of the show, guys. So um, if you didn't listen to the first episode, let me explain this. Uh, I haven't really created a official title for the next section of the show, uh, but it's where I list a topic uh, about the video game industry or video games uh, themselves and just discuss them for about five to seven minutes. Uh, and it's sometimes controversial, sometimes not. Uh, it's just a time where I can discuss a feeling that I have on a topic that's been going around in the video game world uh, recently. So uh, on the other side of this break, uh, we'll go ahead and get into it. What is the topic going to be this week, guys? Let me go ahead and explain it to you. I'm going to piggyback off what we were talking about uh, earlier in the show, uh, and that is the fact of where is gaming going. Uh, and what I mean by that is how will you be consuming your video games in the future? Let's say five years out. Uh, the way we're hearing is downloadable games are our imminent future. Uh, and what I mean by that is people in the industry are saying, in the future, the only way you'll be able to access or purchase your games, maybe not the only way, but the primary way that you'll be getting your games will be through the, the PlayStation Network Store, the Xbox Live, the Xbox Store, um, you know, and things like that. In Nintendo, that's a different ballgame because their online aspect of, of their system and their world or realm is terrible, so I don't even know where they're going to go with it. But that's beside the point. The main thing I want to focus on with this topic is I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, as a video game collector myself, I love to collect video games. I love seeing the cases on my shelf, uh, and, and I love being able to keep those. And one day if I have kids, they get to experience the, the, the fun and joy of getting the game out of the, the case and putting the disc into the system. And uh, to me, it's just a lot less hassle that goes into it. Uh, and let me explain what I mean. I have very good internet connection at my house. It's, it's very good, and, and everywhere I go, pretty much in my day-to-day -day life, work, my office, home, wherever it may be, I have very good internet. So that to me is not a complication. But where I used to live, when I back back in the day when I lived with my parents, my internet was terrible. And let's let's just say that the only way to consume video games back then was downloading them from the internet. 
uh, and, and you have these humongous games now that, that are encompassing seven to eight gigabytes on a, on a single disc, and you're going to tell me I have to download it? I don't know how I feel about it. I like the 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 ease of of the accessibility. I like being able to just go in there and flip through the PlayStation Network store and and, and and select a game and be able to have it in minutes and not have to go out of my house and go to GameStop or Best Buy or wherever it is that I would go pick up my games through a retail store. But there's there's positives and negatives. I just feel as if we need to keep it the way that it is. And what I mean by that is give the consumer options. I understand it's cheaper for the developer and the publisher and all of that. You don't have to go out. You don't. I mean, obviously, it's it, we're talking about pennies here. The, the boxes can't be that much to to produce. But I understand shipping and with gas prices like they are. Look, I get it. I get the. the, the I'm a business person myself, so I understand that. There, there's there's money. There's monetary reasons why it probably would benefit the gaming industry. But in my opinion, h- how is this going to work? Uh, you look at companies like GameStop who are getting getting sued because they're they're cheating the system. It's a retailer who's barely hanging on. You look at a newspaper in, in the media realm. They're on their way out. They're on their way down. Sure, there's going to be newspapers, but there's only going to be a few because it's not the way that people consume their media now. I mean, the way that it is in today's world, if you're a young person, you consume your media on devices such as your iPhone, your iPad, the Samsung Galaxy, your computer, the Internet, Google, YouTube – that you're watching news on YouTube now. You're watching sporting events online live. You're watching live uh, people online that are on Justin TV doing things live that, uh, of, of gaming. I mean, there's so many ways now to consume media that newspapers completely about to be irrelevant. I just do not want to see that uh, when it comes to the physical retail copies of video games. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm selfish. Maybe I'm stuck in my ways and tradition. But tell me what you think about this. I mean, are you for going to a complete and utter 100% downloadable gaming world? Or are you like me? Are you a little hesitant about crossing over that realm saying, I just don't know if that's where I want to go? Because what if you are a collector? Then what? Do you have to collect hard drives? Do you stack up hard drives on your shelf and, and put labels on them of what games those hard drives contain? Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all, um, being a collector myself. So anyways, guys, that was the topic for this week. That's what I wanted to discuss. I wanted to go over that. I wanted to kind of see what everyone's feelings were on that topic. So guys, hit me up on an email. Uh, Again, my email is gamersloft, G-A-M-E-R-Z-L-O-F-T at gmail.com. Please, guys, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm getting into the whole Twitter game now, uh, and I want to start updating it, posting when I do videos on my YouTube channel for Gamers Loft. Uh, and, and my YouTube channel is uh, Gamers Loft, just the, the, the word G-A-M-E-R-Z, Loft. That's my YouTube account, so uh, follow me there. Uh, and if you would like to hit me up on PlayStation or Xbox, uh, my gamer tag is dmporter74. Uh, and, and then my uh, PlayStation Network handle is d. M Porter 17. So guys, again, this wraps it up. This is the end of another Gamers Loft podcast. See you next time.